I was I was at Chick Sarah and my wife and I were at Chick Fil A uh, a few months ago, and uh, it's this when COVID was sort of starting to calm down a little bit, and they reopened the inside. And you know, out of all the things we could do to celebrate the end of COVID, going to eat inside at Chick Fil A is one of them. So we're we're going we're eating inside at Chick Fil A, and and Sarah looks over. She said, she said, in that gym from up Team Challenge sitting over there. I said, it is. I said, I got to go over. And I went over and, and uh, brother and sister Nichols and his wife were there eating Chick-fil-A. They must have been celebrating as well. And the first time I had seen him in I, several years, and uh, I said, he said, where are you at now, brother? I said, well, I'm in Bluewell at Voice of Praise because he had known me from Max Meadows, Virginia. And uh, I said, can y'all come? He said, well, I'm not doing the choir, but we got an evangelism team. And, man, it's a good-looking team here this morning, James. You brought some fine-looking young men with you, you know. And you're not bad-looking yourself, you know. You know, you're doing all right. But we're glad to have Teen Challenge. If he's on a – James, I'm sure, will let you more, know more about Teen Challenge. They are uh, – I consider it just up the road in Athens, not too awfully far from here to Athens. And – uh they, um, I've been familiar with Teen Challenge a number of years, and uh, probably more than 20 years, uh, probably closer to 25 or 30 years, and I've always, uh, I've always had um, a uh, uh, a high regard for the work that has gone forth in the kingdom of God in the lives of young men. For a while, there were young ladies on campus. And uh, so I really appreciate what they're doing. And I want to bring them to Voice of Praise. So can you give uh, James a hand as he comes? He's your leader this morning, and they share with us. Man, amen. Isn't God good today? Man, I, I could sit back and listen to you guys sing all morning. Uh, you ushered the presence of the Lord in here for sure. And Man, isn't he so good? He's just so, so, so good, and he is never going to let us down. Any of you guys been in a service with Teen Challenge before? I know Pastor said that, that he has. A couple couple others have been in a service with Teen Challenge before. Well, if you're not familiar with the ministry of Teen Challenge, you see behind us, it says Adult and Teen Challenge now. We've recently changed the name because mainly we have adults that we serve. Uh, we serve those 18 to 50 at our campus in Princeton. Uh, but backing up a little bit, Teen Challenge, it first started in 1958. There was a minister by the name of David Wilkerson. You may have heard of him before. You may have read his book, The Cross and the Switchblade. You may have seen the movie, The Cross and the Switchblade. But it's a story about David Wilkerson's life and, and his ministry. But David, as a young man, he was 26 years old, and uh, he was living in the hills of Pennsylvania, and, and he felt the call of God to go to New York City and start to minister to gang members. He had read a story in Life magazine. He had seen it on newspapers and TVs. This was a highly publicized trial that he was trying to get to of seven teenagers who had brutally murdered a handicapped individual. David goes to New York City. He leaves his wife behind as a 26-year-old, and she's pregnant. That takes a lot right there. To leave your wife who's pregnant? Come on now. And he went to follow God. But I'm sure she backed him up on it. I wasn't there. But I'm sure that she did. But anyway, he goes to New York City. He barges into the courtroom where the trial's being held. He approaches the judge's bench. 
and starts to plead for these young men and asks to speak with them. Well, he's promptly thrown out of the courtroom because, like I said, it was a highly publicized trial and there was a lot of things that could possibly go wrong. So he's put out. Well, David uses that as an opportunity to minister to these young men. He was like, hey, court system doesn't like you and he, they apparently don't like me either. So he used that to relate to them and he began to minister to them. He started ministering to those young men. He also started to minister to young women. He started to minister to those who were involved in gangs and not like gangs that are in West Virginia and Virginia. We're talking about the real deal gangs in New York City. Well, they will kill you. They will cut you for looking at them the wrong way. But he ministered to them. There was a, a one of the gang members there by the name of Nicky Cruz. And he's mentioned in the cross and the switchblade a number of times. And he said a statement about David. And he said, you know, I could tell he was green. I could tell he was young. I could tell he was inexperienced. But there was something that was in him that was different. And we know that as the Holy Spirit. He didn't know that at the time, but David would tell him, Nikki, Jesus loves you. Nikki, Jesus loves you. And that did something to him. But that's where the ministry started. The first center was opened up in 1960 in Brooklyn, New York. Over 60 years later now, we're in 2022. There are now over 250 adult and teen challenge centers in America. And there are over 1,400 centers worldwide. That's a lot. That's a lot. And I can't help, but every time that I share this story, I can't help, but my mind goes to one place. The obedience of one man. One man. He followed the call of God, and now look, 60 years later, he's been passed for about 10 or so years now. But if he could see now what's going on in the lives of these young men I have with me today, at those other 250 centers around the country, overseas. God is moving in those centers all over the place. But he had to accept that call of God. Imagine if he would have said no. Where would I be today? Where would you be today? I think about our director, Jim. Jim had to be obedient too. Jim had a good job in Virginia. He he, he had a career going. God called him to West Virginia to start this ministry. Wow, that's a tough call to accept. It is. But I told you we've got 250 centers in America, our teen challenge. We'll call it your teen challenge. We are just right up the road. We're not too far. But we were just recognized as one of the top five centers in America out of 250. Right here in your area. Look at what God's doing in our area. What we do at Teen Challenge, we minister to people with life-controlling problems. We're not a rehab. We're not a treatment center. We're a training program. We don't believe that the real problem is drugs or alcohol. We believe that it goes much deeper than that. Because it's not like someone just wakes up one day and becomes an addict or an alcoholic. Whether it was a, a compromise, a series of events that got them to that point, but... We like to help them get to the root of that problem is what we call it. So we don't teach NA. We don't teach AA. We don't teach the the 12-step program. We don't do Suboxone or Methadone. And if that works for somebody, praise God. But we found a way that works, and His name is Jesus. But what we do is we teach them how to apply that Bible that we read to their lives because it's a part of our everyday life. We teach them how to deal with things that you're going to encounter every day. How to deal with anger. 
How to deal with temptations. How to grow through failure. How to love and accept yourself. How to build and maintain better attitudes. How to build and maintain better relationships. We also do uh, some hands-on training as well. We've got shops on our campus. We've got a large 30-acre campus, and the address is Princeton, but I still call it Athens. I've been at Teen Challenge for 14 years, and it's been Princeton and Athens about five different times. It's gone back and forth, and we haven't moved anywhere. But we've got 30 acres, we've got 13 buildings, we've got shops, and we teach them some vehicle maintenance, we teach them some home maintenance, we teach them money management, we teach them resume building. Our goal when they come to our program is not just to help them get off of drugs. Yes, that's part of it. But it's more than just passing a drug test. You've got to learn how to live life all over again almost. And that's what we try to teach them. Some of these guys came from jail. They were off drugs in jail for the most part. But what was different about them that's going to help them to live a a good life? We try to help them to become successful, employable, productive members of society. So when they leave, they have the tools and training they need to go out and make something of their life. Not just be sitting somewhere. Oh, I've been locked in a room for 30 days and I hope I'm going to be different. No. No. For one, there's got to be something that happens in here. That's where it starts. Because it's more than just changing externally. There's got to be an internal change. You can't put a band-aid on a bullet hole. That's not the way that it works. And unfortunately, that's what too many people try to do and they fail. There's got to be a real heart change take place. And that's why our ministry is so successful. We've, we've been at uh, our campus in Princeton for, I said Princeton, see it's Athens, Princeton. But it's, it's 35 years, 36 years, something like that. We've had the center up there in Princeton. We used to have girls there about three years ago and we moved them to Bridgeport, West Virginia. We've also got an adolescent center, 12 to 17. That's in Roanoke, Virginia. 12 to 17 year old girls who are struggling with addiction. You believe that? It happens. That early. That early. The enemy's after children. He is. I don't see many children in here today, but I'm sure you guys have children. And he's after them. I know he's after mine. When he tries to get to me, he goes after my little girl. It's what he does. That's how he works. But anyway, of our center in Princeton, we conducted a survey last February, well, February of 2021. We had hundreds of graduates respond. Of those who responded, we found that 94% of those who graduated our center just in Princeton still drug and alcohol free today. Why? All I know to say is Jesus. Because that's where the real change happens. 94%. We're not talking about six months. We're not even talking about five years. We're talking about some 25, 30 years still serving Jesus. No drugs, no alcohol that came through the center right in Princeton. I tell these guys all the time, there's no reason why that can't be you. There's no reason... 
God doesn't have favorites, or at least that's what my Bible says. So what God can do for one, He can do for another. We didn't come here this morning to put on a show for you guys or perform or speak fine-sounding language. We didn't come here to sing. River. Y'all got good enough singers here. We don't, we don't need to try to sing. We just came here to worship with you guys. We just came here to lift up Jesus. My Bible also says, and I know yours does too, if Jesus is lifted up, He'll draw all men to Him. And that's the reason why we're here. If you're lost today and you don't know Jesus, that's the reason we came. If you're in a backslidden condition, you're the reason that we came. If you're struggling with addiction and you need some hope in your life, you're the reason that we came. If your family member is struggling with addiction and you need some hope, you're the reason we came. I think about this often. Coronavirus, it's a pandemic. Hopefully it's coming to an end, but it seems like it goes up and down and up and down. We've all been on this roller coaster for what seems like 10 years now. But before that started, there was an epidemic and drug addiction going on. And it's still going on too. And I guarantee you, every single person under the sound of my voice this morning is affected by drug addiction or alcohol in some way, shape, or form. I guarantee you that. Whether it's yourself, whether it's your family, whether it's a friend, whether it's a neighbor, whether it's a co-worker, I guarantee you, you know someone, or it might be you. But we're here today to give you a message. There is hope. Don't ever give up hope. Because He's never going to let us down. Isn't that what we just sang this morning? He's never going to let us down. He hasn't let me down yet. Thank God. We're just going to share some testimonies this morning. I'm doing my best to try to obey the Lord. They don't even know who I'm going to call on here in a minute. So whenever I call on somebody, they, they might be caught off guard, but that's the best way to do it. Mark, come up here, man. I heard you laughing the loudest. Good morning, everybody. My name's Mark. Uh, man, for me, I had a lot of unforgiveness uh, that developed into a lot of anger. Um, when I was real little, my dad was really abusive and uh, physically towards me and my siblings. And I didn't know how to deal with that at a young age. My mom really wasn't around at the time, so it was kind of just me, my little sister, and him. And uh, I had no way out. There came a point where I moved back with my mom, and I was just so full of anger. I didn't know how to deal with it. I was just had rage. Um, you know, my mom tried putting me in a bunch of different treatment centers in, when I was a kid. Uh, nothing really helped. It was just kind of to get away from home kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I really wanted to feel accepted. I kind of sought after people's acceptance growing up. And so I started doing what was cool, what I, everybody, you know, put out there to be was cool. And I started going to parties. I started doing pain pills. Um, and after, actually it was a really quick process before I knew it. I mean, I was doing methamphetamine. And, uh, when I, when I first took methamphetamine, I didn't know it at the time, but it was going to take complete control over my life. It basically was the first thing that was on my mind when I woke up and the last thing that was on my mind when I went to bed, if I went to bed. And um, it drove me to do a lot of wrong things to people. I hurt a lot of people, and I was breaking into people's houses. I stole people's cars. I robbed people. I did whatever I had to do to get my next fix because I thought I couldn't live without it. Because if I didn't have it, all that pain and all that anger would come back up, and I just I didn't know how to deal with it. Um, you know, after, you know, after a long time, um, of 
criminal actions and drug use, you know, I started getting charged and I would probably would say I spent about 80% of my adult life behind bars. And after I'd been in there for about 14 months, um, I go to court and they tell me I'm looking at the next 10 years of my life in prison. And that was kind of a wake up moment. I did not want to go to prison and I knew something needed to change. I had hit what we call rock bottom. And there was a graduate from Teen Challenge that worked at the jail that I was at. And he reached out to me and he told me about Teen Challenge and what it was about and, you know, how God works miracles there. And at first I really didn't want to go, to be honest. Um, but he was persistent, thank God. And I did not think there was any way possible that the courts would allow me to come to Teen Challenge. Um, that would probably be the first miracle that God worked in my life was allowing me to come to Teen Challenge. Um, and I'm really grateful that he did because since I've been here at Teen Challenge, um, God's took my anger away. I'm no longer that angry person anymore. I'm actually really easy going. I love talking to people. Um, I love, thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm a people person, man. I like meeting new people. Um, I like making new friends. Um, and I couldn't do that when I was an angry person. Um, I actually have a two-year-old boy. He's actually about to be three in a couple months, and I've lost him due to my addiction. And God has restored that in my life. I'm able to be part of his life now. I thought there was no way I'd ever be able to see my son again. And he has made a way for me to see my son and talk to him now. Thank you, guys. Hey, my name is Ryan. Um, So I was adopted into a Christian home. Uh, I grew up in church and even attended a Christian school. Um, In spite of all this, I didn't really uh, pursue a relationship with God. Um, I was, even if I was even a Christian, I was definitely lukewarm at best. Um, I wasn't bearing any spiritual fruit and instead was kind of um, doing the opposite. I was rebellious, I was prideful, deceitful, and was really just looking for pleasure in life. Um, that's what found easily in the form of drugs and alcohol, and for 10 years, um, I struggled with that. I was um, deceived in thinking that I could um, get off of everything on my own, and uh, I really wasn't an addict. Um, so at a year prior to coming to Teen Challenge, I was at my lowest point. I was uh, doing alcohol and fentanyl every day, and um, it taken complete control over my life. Um, I realized that I really couldn't do it on my own, but I didn't think I'd be able to get off of it. Um, I had really forsaken so many relationships and uh, wasted time and money and just uh, felt constantly condemned for what I was doing. Um, I ended up in a hospital with uh, pancreatitis and hepatitis from all the drugs and alcohol. And um, prior to this, thankfully, I had uh, met a pastor. And through a series of... um, miraculous events that really God facilitated through him, I ended up at Teen Challenge a week after I was released from the hospital. Um, I, when I arrived, I was feeling just completely hopeless. I didn't think there was any way that I could have a relationship with God, but um, James actually told me that uh, God made a way for me to be for me to be there, and I believe that. Um, when I surrendered to God, he's began doing a tremendous work in my life. He's um, started to heal me physically and renew me spiritually. He's um, taken away my pride. He's shown me that I can be loved and don't have to feel condemned anymore. And he's taken away the addiction completely. Um, He's also, most importantly, shown me that he can love me and that I can have a relationship with him. And just like all my brothers up here, I can have hope for the future here on earth and in heaven.
Thank you all very much. Good morning. Um, first of all, I'd just like to thank all the musicians for really pouring out your guys' heart during worship. That was amazing. Um, I definitely felt the presence of God in here. And that's that's what I pursue these days, man. That's where I find security. That's where I find rest. That's where I find peace. But my life hasn't always been like that. Um, two years ago, if you would have seen me, you probably wouldn't have recognized me. I was hopeless. I was a mess. I was a wreck. My trouble with addiction started around the age of 14. I was going into high school. I had some problems going on in my life. My father had passed away when I was younger. Me and my brother and sisters had just been separated. My siblings, we were very close growing up. My mother wasn't really present in my life. I was living with my grandmother, and I was going into high school, and I was I was looking for some sense of peace, some sense of rest, something to make me feel like everything was going to be all right. And, you know, I was raised in church, but instead of pursuing God, I went in the opposite direction. Um, whenever alcohol was offered to me for the first time, I started to drink. That turned into a every weekend thing, going to parties, drinking. And I'm not going to lie, in the beginning, that, that worked, that helped. I thought I'd found the cure, man. Everything's going to be all right because it changed the feelings I had inside. changed absolutely nothing on the outside, but changed how I felt on the inside. That turned into smoking marijuana. That wasn't very easy to hide from my grandma, so whenever people started to offer me pills and things like that, I was like, yeah, that's I can hide that. I can take a pill and just go about my day, and I don't have anything on me. So that it just spiraled out of control. I went downhill very fast. I started skipping school. I started lying, manipulating, lying to my family, stealing from my family. At the age of 17, I was sentenced to prison for the first time. Spent the next five years of my life in and out of prison, in and out of jail, halfway houses, institutions. And then when I was 22, I was like, I was just broken from spending so much time in prison so young. I felt like I didn't really get to have a childhood. So I get saved. I meet some people. They introduce me to the Lord. I get saved. I ask Jesus to save my life, but I don't ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I didn't allow him to really change what was inside of me. I still made choices. I still called the shots. I was still selfish. And so before long, I started drinking again. And, you know, if you'd have asked me during that time I was sober, it was about six months, I'd have said, no, nah, I'll never drink again. I'll never use drugs again. That'll never be me. So whenever I did start using and drinking drugs again, it was seven times worse, just like the, the word says. And so I started using fentanyl. I'd never used heroin up until this point. I'd seen how it had destroyed people's lives, how it had wrecked people, destroyed their families. But that was the only thing that was available. And I, I had to have something because I was just tormented in my mind all the time. And I finally got to a point where I said, you know, I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it takes from me. I just, I got to have some, some relief. And so I became homeless, lost my car, job, house. I isolated myself from my family. For about two years, I lived on the streets. It didn't matter what season it was. If it was raining, snowing, I lived in the streets. I would call my mom and just cry because I was sorry. I was so sorry for the kind of son I was, but I didn't know how to get out of what I was going through. So then I get arrested for a DUI, and this is where I really see the, the event start to turn. I get arrested for a DUI. I'm in jail for about six months. I know I have to change. Every one of my friends that died that I was homeless with, I know i got to change, but I don't know what to do. So I get out of jail, and I overdose on the first night. I'm in the hospital on oxygen, and somebody gets in touch with my mom, one of like a family friend that I've known for a while. And he doesn't even really know what's going on. He has no clue. He's just like, hey, how's Marcus doing? Have you heard from him? So he gets in touch. He's like, actually, he's in the hospital. He needs some help. And he, he told me if I would go to Teen Challenge, he would make sure everything was taken care of. All I had to do was say the word. So I said, I'll go. Signed up for a year, and the Lord just began opening doors from that point forward. And he's continued to open doors. Um, I graduated from there just this past March. I'm an intern there now. Um, man, the, the hopeless person, I was a wreck of a person. I despised myself. I couldn't look in the mirror. 
But the Lord just took all that away, man. And, you know, I was talking to some of the guys last night. We were hanging out in the dorm, and I have, I have testimonies in my life where I can, I can point, and I can, you know, these guys have situations that's going on, and I can say, hey, well, this is, this is what happened in my situation. This is where the Lord moved in my situation and gave me a hope and a future. And it's, it's just so good to get to that point in my life, man. And it's all because of God's grace and mercy. It has absolutely nothing to do with me. It's, a, it's all everything that He's done. Thank you, God. Good morning, guys. Uh, a little loud there. Uh, my name's Evan. Uh, <laughs> so growing up, uh, I was I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, I was always taught that uh, God should be made the center of your life. And uh, but I had a resistant spirit, a rebellious spirit, uh, early on, and I just uh, chose to instead of listening to what my family was saying, I chose to turn away from those things, and uh, I chose to try to go my own way and try to do things my own way. And it just led me down a dark path of destruction. It led me uh, to turning to drugs and alcohol to fill this void in my life um, that I I knew it gave me a sense of peace at the time, but it was a fake sense of peace. It was a synthetic sense of peace. Uh, it wasn't the real thing that I knew eventually could only be found through uh, the Word of God and accepting Christ in my life. Uh, but I wasn't ready to do that yet, um, and I just kept turning away. Um, and it led me to making a lot of dumb decisions uh, financially. Um, it led me to destroying relationships in my life. Uh, I couldn't even bear to look at myself in the mirror. I didn't recognize the person who was looking back. It wasn't me, and my family told me that. And at the time, I didn't understand that because I was, I was just, I was just lost in this uh, mode of addiction and um, turning away. And eventually, I got tired of that, and I decided that I was, I was tired of fighting. Um, and I knew uh, that the Holy Spirit eventually led me to, uh, you know, accepting Christ into my life and, and realizing that I needed to to change because I couldn't do what I was doing anymore. So um, that involved me coming to Teen Challenge. Uh, I've been here for about four months, and since I've been here, uh, I've been able to surrender my life to Christ and build a relationship with God, which has given me a sense of peace that I never thought that I could obtain in my life. Uh it's given me a sense of hope for my future. Uh, I now can look at myself in the mirror, and I'm comfortable looking back at the person. I feel like I'm myself again, and I feel like I am who I am meant to be, and I know I still have some more growing to do and um, in this path and, and, and finding uh, my way, but I, I feel like I'm on the right path, and I know that um, there is a hope for my future, and I know that I can continue to change and continue to grow and uh, that it will eventually lead to uh, ultimate victory. And I am so thankful for uh, everything that, that God has done in my life. And, and all it took was uh, that initial realization that I needed to just surrender my life. And, and ever since then, uh, I just give God all the glory because he's changed me in ways that I never could have uh, predicted. Uh, thank you guys for letting me share. And amen. It's okay with you guys this morning. Like hearing stories about the power of God and His redemptive power. It's good stuff to me. Never gets old. What you see today is not what I saw when they walked through the doors of Teen Challenge. I'm the admissions director there, so I'm the first contact. I, I meet them and I see them and I talk to them on the phone and they come in my office and we do some paperwork and they enroll and when they come in there, they don't look like this. 
They've got black circles under their eyes. Their faces are sunk in. Most of them can't even look at me. Not a chance to smile. Totally broken. But look at what God has done. I think about that often. And that's what keeps me going because it doesn't get old. I love hearing about people being set free. I love hearing about that. And that's why I believe in real freedom. I don't believe you have to be tied down with a label that says, My name's James and I'm a drug addict. I don't believe in that. Because my Bible says, once again, who the Son sets free is free indeed. That doesn't mean that I have to be labeled as an addict or an alcoholic for the rest of my life. I used to be a drug addict 14 years ago, but I'm not anymore. If I wouldn't tell you that, you wouldn't know. So why should I introduce myself as that? Some people believe that, but that's not who I am, and I refuse to declare that. That's who I used to be. But thank God, I'm not defined by my past. And thank God you're not defined by your past. Because we've all got things in our past that we're ashamed of. All of us. You might not have touched drugs or alcohol in your life, but I guarantee you've made some mistakes. I guarantee you failed. But he hadn't. Thank God. Other graduates of our program. It doesn't just stop here. It's not you receive a diploma and and life goes on as, as it once was. It's totally different. It's a transformation like it talks about in Romans chapter 12. It's a transformation that takes place that's complete. Our graduates are going out and some are pastors today. Some are missionaries today. Some are businessmen. We've got uh, doctors, attorneys. We've got those who are uh, police officers. We've got uh, women who are nurses in Princeton Hospital who came right through Teen Challenge. God puts them on a new path. Not the old path. He sets them on a new path. One graduate. Gosh, it's been over 10 years ago now. But after he graduated, over 20 of his family members ended up coming to know Christ. 20 of them. I don't know the exact number. I want to say it's 28, but I don't want to. So I'll say it in the 20s. That's a pretty high number. You know why? Because his life spoke volumes to them. He didn't have to wear a cross around his neck. He didn't have to carry a Bible under his arm and wear a t-shirt that says, I love Jesus everywhere around. That's not what he had to do. All he had to do was live his life as a representation of the power of God and the change that can take place when you allow it to. That's all he had to do. That's all that he had to do. I tell these guys all the time, man, your life can be the loudest message some of your family will ever hear ever here. And that's why when I come out, I I don't feel like it's necessary to preach a a three-point sermon to you because we've got a message today. And it's hope. There is hope in Jesus. There is possible change that can happen. It can happen. No matter what the enemy tells you. No matter what you tell yourself. It can happen. It can. I'm a graduate of this program as well. I graduated in 2010, I came to the program in 2009, and what you see today is not who I was in 2009. If you were to see the James then and the James now, your mind would be blown, not because of me, but because of what he's done in my life. 
I remember walking through those doors at Teen Challenge and there's a sign that's on the front door and it's still there and it was there 13 years ago, 14, whatever. And it said, hope lives here. Freedom is found here. Change lives leave here. And at that point in my life, I was so bound, I wanted to be free. And I was so hopeless, man, I needed some hope. I did. I was struggling. I was having a hard time. I tried to quit on my own and I couldn't. I tried and I couldn't. Growing up, I was raised in church. I knew what I was supposed to do. I sat in Sunday school. I was I was there every time the church doors were open, all the way up until I was 17 years old. I even went on a mission trip to Mexico. I was involved in a youth group. It was a fairly large church. But church was a game to me. I went to hang out and play basketball and fellowship and hook up with women. That's what I did. Yeah, y'all laugh. You know if you was a kid in church. Y'all, you already know. So I heard everything the preacher would preach, and I heard everything that the teacher would teach, and I could read in my Bible, and it would go in my mind, but that's where it stayed. It never went here. I got saved. Yes, I was baptized. Yes, I believed in Christ. Yes, I accepted salvation, but I wasn't living like I should have been. I wasn't taking it to heart like I should have. I did well in school. I graduated fifth out of 400. Excelled in sports, several different ones. Got a full ride to college. Never touched drugs, alcohol, tobacco, nothing the entire time I was in high school. When I went to college, I stopped going to church. I was away from my family. I felt like I had to recreate myself all over again because I was around different people. I wasn't Mr. Popular like I was in high school and everybody knew who I was. I was just another small fish in a big pond. And I felt like I had to fit in. So I started to seek acceptance. I started to seek acceptance through... Drinking, started out beer too, turned into whiskey. Started smoking marijuana, turned into a joint or two, then turned into quarterback. Then it turned into pain pills. And it just went on and on, and I'm using heroin. I mean, it's just over and over and over. I don't even complete a semester of college. My family's minds are blown. James, what are you doing? We're not even paying for your books and you're not going to school. What's the deal? Oh, I'm just ready to go make some money and I'm just ready to go ahead and get a job now and I don't need to sit in school. I'm ready to go do it. I became a liar. I became a manipulator. I became a cheater. I became a thief. All the above, that was me and that's who I used to be. Drugs dictated my life. I believed the lie that I could keep it to a couple beers. I could keep it to a couple pills won't hurt. I can just keep it to a weekend thing. No. Took control of my life within six months. Six months. It grabbed such a stronghold on my life that everything I did started to revolve around what I needed for that day. Whatever it took to get me high, that's what I was after. I didn't care who I had to hurt, who I had to lie to, what I had to take. That's who I became. And that was a miserable life. And I'd be a liar if I told you that it wasn't fun when it first started because the Bible says sin is fun for a season. 
It's a short season. And it was fun. I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not up here trying to pretend to be anything. I'm not. It was fun when it, when it first started, but it was just like that and it grabbed a hold of my life and it wasn't fun anymore when I had to have it to function and get up and be able to look somebody in the eye. It was terrible. It was miserable when I'm living in my car and that's all I got at the time and I'm stealing off people to support my addiction and I'm bouncing from couch to couch because my family's like, James, we can't keep you in here anymore because you're taking everything we got. That's who I was. Thank God when I was 21 years old, I, yes, I said, thank God, I was beaten in a parking lot. And that's exactly what should have happened. That's what I deserved. I should have died. I shouldn't be able to see. I got hit pretty hard. My orbital bone got collapsed on this side of my face. and I shouldn't be alive today. I shouldn't be able to see properly, but I've got 20-20 vision and I'm obviously alive. But that's what it took for me to realize, James, man, you got to stop. What are you doing with your life? God's got a greater plan and a purpose for your life. And I arrived at Teen Challenge. And I started to hear those same stories that I heard when I was a kid. And I started to hear the same scriptures that I read and that I heard preached when I was a kid. But the difference was, I didn't just keep it here this time. I let it come here. I was talking about that heart change earlier. That's what changed my life. A heart change. Not knowing the scripture, living the scripture. That's what changed my life. When it got down inside of me. Because when you have an encounter with God and it's something tangible, you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. There was so much more than just addiction that I had to allow God to... Get out of my life. I was prideful. I was insecure. At the same time, you better believe it. I sure was. I was angry. I was bitter. I had so many things going on in my life that I had to get before God and say, God, man, I need your help. I need your help. And he took those things from me. And when he took those things from me, he started filling me back up with the fruit of the Spirit. He didn't leave me empty. He filled me back up with love and joy and peace and self-control and patience. That's what he did. That's what he's doing. So I graduated, completed an internship, been full-time staff for over 10 years now. 2014, I got married. My wife is actually a graduate of the women's program in 2010, and now she's a children's pastor. I wish you could hear her testimony. She was 18 years old and she was in a bad car wreck. Head split open here. Ankle crushed. Had to be removed from the jaws of life. With the jaws of life. But God had a purpose and a plan for her life too. I could sit up here and tell you stories about things all day. About what God has done in my life. And I brought some more proof that God can still do that work. I was listening to a song. Last night, and I just had it on repeat. It's called Miracle in the Works. And I had it on repeat. Because today, some of us believe that miracles don't happen anymore. But I'm here to tell you that they do. Because I see them happen every day. Every single day. 
Y'all are miracles. Y'all are miracles. Y'all are miracles. You are. And as I listened to that song, I started to think about how oftentimes we miss a miracle. Because we're so caught up in everything else that's going on around us. Oh, yeah. But as I was listening to that song, this word kept ringing in my head over and over and over and over again. And it's the word evidence. What the heck? Why is this going on in my mind? So I started to pray and I started to ask God. And I was like, God, man, what's what's up? Why are you speaking this to me? Evidence can have a huge impact in your life. Evidence is going to prove whether it is, whether it isn't, right? Some of y'all been in court. Some of y'all been in court. If they don't have enough evidence to prove you're guilty, they can't, right? But what about enough evidence to prove something? I'm evidence of a changed life. They're evidence of a changed life. So are they. These are other students as well in our program. They just haven't made it up to the stage yet. They will eventually. Most of them. Well, most of them. (laughs) But that word evidence, how much evidence do we have in God's Word of miracles that take place? How much evidence? Over and over. I mean, that's basically what the entire Gospels are is evidence of God's power and His healing and all the things that He can do. There's proof of that. Hmm. So I brought some proof with me. But I also came to remind you today that there's evidence in your life too. And sometimes we got to look around for evidence when we're walking in answered prayers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, God did it once before, why can't He do it again? We go through things in life and we think, Oh God, this is too far out of your reach, or this is too hard for God. That's what we think in our minds, or is that just me? Uh, Yeah, It's all of us. I know that it is. There's things in our lives that come out of nowhere and we're like, God, what is going on? Why me? Why now? You ever said that before? But I came to remind you this morning that there's evidence in your life that God is good and He's not failed you. He hasn't. So you can always reflect back on that and say, man, I've got evidence. I've got enough proof in my life to know that God is good and He's going to work out this next thing in my life too. Whenever you guys want to play something, you're welcome to, whoever's. Evidence. So the next time you're going through a tough time, the next time you're struggling, I want you to look back at that evidence prior that you have in your life, what God has brought you out of, what God has brought you through, what God has brought your family through. Look at that evidence. Remember that evidence. 
Remember that evidence. I think about how many lives that I've seen changed since I've been with Team Challenge. I think it's safe to say that I've seen over a thousand people since I've been at Team Challenge. Over a thousand people have come through there just in Princeton slash Athens, whatever y'all want to call it. We're there around that area. But I've got enough evidence in my own life that I don't have to look around. And you've got enough evidence in your life that you don't have to look around either. Oh, God, show me this. God, send me a sign. God, I just need some more proof. God, I need confirmation. You've got it, man. You are that confirmation. How many of you are sitting here today and you're sitting when you've seen promises fulfilled in your life, a promise of God? Probably almost everyone in here. You are sitting in a fulfilled promise. He did it before. He can do it again. I don't know who this is for today, but I felt this so strongly last night and even this morning. Somebody's going through a terrible season in your life, but God has already done so much in your life. And I'm just here to remind you, He can do it again. He can do it again. Same God, different promise. He's still the same God. The Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He'll always be the same. And He's always faithful. Man, He hadn't let me down yet. I love that song, King of My Heart, y'all were singing this morning. It's one of my favorite songs. Because it's so true in my life. He's never going to let me down. I was yelling that over there. That's why I'm having trouble talking. Because he hadn't let me down. And he hadn't let you down either. Sometimes it feels like he has. Oh boy. Amen. But he hadn't let you down. He's always here. Bow your heads with me this morning. Lord, you're worthy this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for your presence, God. We've all experienced in this room today. God, we thank you for your blood. Lord, your blood, Lord, that still delivers. Lord, that still heals. Lord, that still has that remarkable power behind it. It's never changed. It's not going to change. God, I pray this morning for everyone under the sound of my voice. There's anyone lost this morning who doesn't know Jesus. I'd like to open this altar up this morning. Ask you to come down. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's staring at you. Nobody's thinking anything about you. This is between you and the Lord. Are you lost this morning? Do you need to be saved? Lord, touch him this morning. Lord, give him 
church. Lord, give them the boldness to step out. Season. I'd like to ask you to come forth this morning.